So it is, it's fair to say that last week was a profoundly difficult week for our country. The pain, the anger, the frustration, the divisiveness surrounding the, the confirmation hearings of Brett Kavanaugh have left an indelible mark on our shared national life and psyche. I imagine that some of you won't agree, but I, for one, believe that Christine, Christine Blasey Ford is telling the truth about what happened to her so many years ago. I found her testimony credible and compelling. She gains nothing by upending her life and her family's life in order to share her story. In fact, she puts herself in some danger. And I found Judge Kavanaugh's testimony evasive and unfortunately contemptuous of a process that was absolutely necessary under the circumstances. But of course, confirmation hearing does not happen in a bubble. The ripple effects of the confirmation hearings are, are bigger than just themselves, bigger than the Supreme Court. The publicity around this speaks to us communally and personally. Whatever you might believe about this process, whoever you might believe is telling the truth, it has struck a cultural nerve. I can't imagine how this last week must have been for survivors of sexual assault. Can't imagine what it must have been like for those who have tried to bring their assault to light only to be dismissed and discredited. If that is you, then please know that you are not alone, that people do believe you, that I believe you, and that your clergy are here for you if you want to talk. I think we all need to come to grips with the fact that the but the process around Judge Kavanaugh's nomination taps into the wounds of sexism and misogyny and sexual assault that all sit at the center of our society. These hearings shine a light, not just on the distant past, but on how our whole society is implicated. There is no institution in our society that is unaffected by these wounds. Sexual assault and misogyny permeate, permeate government and academia, business world, entertainment, and of course, the church. And I was struck by this reality of the, the pervasiveness of sexual assault and misogyny in light of the warning Jesus issues to his disciples that we've heard this morning. Now, today's gospel lesson follows immediately after the gospel lesson we heard from last week. There is no break like we took of a week in between what Jesus has to say. Last week, 
Jesus discovered that the, his 12 apostles were arguing over which of them was the greatest. And Jesus responds to the disciples' argument by telling them that if they want to be great, then they need to become servants to everyone. To be first, one must become last, Jesus says. And to illustrate just what Jesus means, he takes a child and he tells his disciples that to embrace one as weak and powerless as the child is to embrace Jesus, and indeed, to embrace the God who sent Jesus. Jesus is trying to show his disciples that the church is not intended to be a space where power is to be accrued into the hands of a few, but rather power is meant to be shared as each follower of Jesus serves one another. But it's clear as we continue in today's lesson, that the disciples simply have not understood. For without missing a beat, John tells Jesus about how they stopped someone who was casting out demons in Jesus' name because this healer wasn't following the twelve, not following us, John says. And in response... Jesus offers a a mild rebuke, telling them that they should welcome such works and that those who are not against them are for them. And Jesus tries to convey to his followers that they too, or rather, that they don't have an exclusive claim on works of compassion, and that they too will indeed often be on the receiving end of care and compassion as they are given cups of water. But then Jesus turns the conversation back toward the care of the vulnerable, and his tone gets fierce. Jesus tells his disciples that if they create obstacles for the little ones who believe in him, then it would be better for the disciples to experience a violent death by drowning. The little ones here are not just children. Rather, the little ones are the vulnerable. They are the exposed. They are the disenfranchised. The little ones are the ones who have no power and have no say. And Jesus is speaking to the leaders of his community, and he is telling them that care for these vulnerable ones is of absolute importance. And Jesus doubles down on his rhetoric by saying that it would be better to lose critical body parts, hands and feet and eyes, rather than allowing harm to happen to these vulnerable ones. Jesus' community, his church, is meant to be a community that stands at odds with the power dynamics of this world. In the world, these little ones are too often disposable, not worth attention, and not worth care. But Jesus always shows the vulnerable care and regard. He is always healing and feeding and teaching ones such as these. And so much of his life and his ministry is directed 
toward them, toward the vulnerable. And Jesus, his, his life and his ministry, his death and his resurrection are all a protest, all a protest against this world, our world, and our power dynamics. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are dragged into the light of judgment, dragged into the light of judgment in order so that we might see how the little ones around us are again and again hurt and exploited. And as Jesus makes clear in today's gospel lesson, the church, if it is to truly follow her Lord, must care for the vulnerable and must care for the exploited just as Jesus does. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, the church is the church only, only when it exists for others. Not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell people of of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. Jesus' community is intended to be salt, which is to say it is intended to be a preservative. It is intended to be a source of healing. And to that end, Jesus says at the conclusion of this morning's lesson that he longs for us to be at peace with one another. But peace, true peace, is not the absence of conflict but rather the presence of justice. True peace can only emerge out of repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation. True peace takes work, difficult, difficult work. The church needs to evermore become a community that confronts misogyny and confronts sexual assault. We need to ensure that in the community of Christ, all are cared for and all are respected. We need to be a community that that hears survivors, that believes survivors, that trusts survivors. For indeed, many of us are survivors. We need to be a community that can offer healing. Healing to all those who suffer, to all those with trauma, to all those with guilt or shame. When we do this, when we do this, we become a light to the world. When we do this, we will be a space that proclaims that out of brokenness, wholeness is possible. That out of strife, peace is possible. That out of exploitation, justice is possible. 
God breaks into our lives and breaks into our world in and through Christ. And Jesus calls us, calls the church to be a community that nurtures and cares for the vulnerable, both within and without. Let us strive to remove the stumbling blocks and the obstacles set before the vulnerable. Let us strive as well to remove the stumbling blocks we put in front of one another and even those stumbling blocks that we put in front of ourselves. Let us serve one another and those outside our walls just as Christ served us. Amen.